Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 293. Yay! One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. (laughs) I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, howdy do, Doctor Who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, something, Doctor Who, Who related. Indeed. <laughs> welcome back, everybody, and welcome new listeners. This is episode 293. We are almost at the 300 mark. Yes, rocking Scary. towards 300. Scary times, dude. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a fairly, I wouldn't say a, a, a quiet week. I've got a couple of little things, uh, uh, to go through before we get on to the rest of the show. We've, we haven't got any big newsy bits to talk through, but there's a couple of little nuggets that I've noticed out in the wild, which are quite cool. Uh, but we have got a couple of bits of cool merch to go through later mm-hmm. on. And then we're on to our review of the mind of evil. 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 The mind of evil. <laughs> uh, and this is our last show of the year. Phew. Glad you added that last bit. Our last, our last one of 2020. You could have added dramatic pause. This is our last show of the year. Of the year, yeah. <laughs> yes. Adam and I are taking a well-earned break for a couple of weeks to uh, to kick back over Christmas yeah. and New Year. So, um, yes, we will, uh, we will be back in the New Year, though, however as expected but we will um yeah we're taking a couple of weeks off because we want to <clears throat> because we yeah recharge the old batteries yeah a bit of r and r needed defo yeah it's exciting though i love it when we've got um a new something you know when we come back in the year we'll have the 
new special to review. And I, I do find that exciting because it's, you know, when we review an episode that we've seen before, sometimes our opinions change or whatever, but we've got something in our minds of, you know, whether we like it or not. But with the special, obviously, it's all new. We haven't seen it. We've just had the trailer. So it's, yeah, I love it when we've got something brand new to sink our teeth into. I can't wait to review that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. We've got that. Our, a good way to crack off the new year, that will. Yes, we also, yeah, we've got our schedule done for the whole of next year, which looks very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a couple of little changes here and there, but for the most part, it's going to be cool. It's going to be a cool, a cool year. Well, let's face it, after 2020, anything's going to be better than... <laughs> yeah, well, we hope so. Yeah, year, it can't be any worse, surely. Exactly, yeah, it can't be any worse. So, um, yeah, so have you been up to anything, Doctor? Uh, actually, before we get on to what we've been up to, uh, there was a couple of little things. So, first of all, as a bit of a coincidence, we seem to have a lot of these coincidences when we're recording certain mm-hmm. stories and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it would have been Nicholas, Nicholas Courtney's uh, birthday today. Oh, really? Yeah, so we're recording this on Wednesday, the 16th of December. And he would have been 81 today. Oh, I wish Nick was still with us. Love, such a lovely man, Nick Courtney. Yeah, such a cool guy, man. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so it would have been 81, which is really sad, but obviously mentioning that, because it's his birthday, obviously, but uh, he's going to be in our review story this week, The Mind of Evil. Quite a yes. big unit story, this one. And he and gets I, to go cockney. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. love that scene. Not quite as bad as Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, but, <laughs> not, <laughs> no, but not far off. There. It's yeah. up there, yeah. And uh, lastly, I saw this little nugget. So over on our Discord server, somebody posted a little snippet of um, of Chris Eccleston appearing on the Lorraine show. What, recently? Recently, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, so anyone that's not uh, from the UK or anyone in the UK doesn't know, the the person Lorraine, she's a a Scottish lady and she does her own talk show. Uh, And she's been doing it for years. I think she normally does it as an offshoot of another program. I think it's Good Morning Britain or something like that. Can't remember. Anyway, Chris Eccleston was on there and he was doing a video show. He was in the car park at Big Finish. (laughs) The color, glamorous. Yeah, and uh, so she was basically saying, "You've been quiet over the uh, over the uh, the pandemic and everything." And then she started waffling about Doctor Who and blah blah blah. He's like, "Well, funny you should say that because I'm currently in my car in a car park in Acton, just about to go on to the to continue recording for a new Doctor Who audio play for a company called Big Finish." And she was like, "Oh, right, right, right." Anyway, they talked about that for a little while. And she kept coming back to this theme. She was like, well, the, the good thing about Doctor Who is that you can pretty much do anything with it, can't you? The show obviously moves forward. You have all the regeneration. And she said, but what about going backwards? She said, I don't want to use the word degeneration, but, you know, we can go back in time, can't we? We can bring people back. And he was like, yes. And she and she's like, well, you know, what could, what could happen is, and he was like, look, I know what you're getting at and I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and his answer was this, mate. He said, I will come back and do Doctor Who on the TV when hell freezes over. Oh. I know, really? mate. Yeah, yeah. Now, and what's he going to say a thing like that? And then she Are said, all- yeah, she was, basically, I think her reaction was all of our reaction collectively. She was like, oh. And yeah, he just had this kind of smile on his face. So I found that really interesting, mate, because... Because he kept emphasising the fact as well. He kept saying, well, I'm doing Doctor Who at the minute and it's an audio play. 
and yeah. I'm going to do this audio thing and it's an audio version of the doctor and it's an audio story that's coming out I've, he was really sort of hammering home the fact that it was absolutely not anything to do with the BBC or television nothing oh. to do with it at all so I was kind of thinking you know like you and I have spoken over the over the months and years that since he started doing conventions again and then the announcement he was going to do big finish we thought like well is he back on the road to maybe? Yeah. Is he going to be in the 60th possibly or whatever? Or this could be a massive diversion. This could be a, a, a big diversion and he's going to be in it and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a surprise. But um, after seeing this clip, it is like, oh God. So there's clearly some sour grapes still knocking about dude with this. It's uh, He's really not happy about being associated with the television version of Doctor Who, but is happy to do Big Finish, mate. Oh no! I, you know, I haven't seen the clip because I saw the thing come up on my Twitter feed. I assumed it was just some old interview they dug up because I think I thought it was Lorraine where he was that famous clip of him talking about conventions. I think was Lorraine. I just assumed someone had dug that up again. So I didn't realise this was a new thing. I didn't click on it. Um, so what I'm going to take from that is I'm going to take that with a pinch of salt because <laughs> Chris said he'd never ever do conventions, and then I think a year later he was doing them. He said he'd never play the Doctor again and he's back doing Big Finish. So I'm just going to take that with a pinch of salt. But I will watch the clip just to see if I can <laughs> gauge from his face and stuff. I'm also surprised that he's record- only just started recording the Big Finish stuff because I assumed they would announce it when things are recorded so that they know, because you know, they're already selling them. So mm-hmm. you can already pre-order them and they take the money straight away. So I assumed he'd already recorded the first batch right so that they know right there in the can we can get those on sale i didn't realize that um you know he's only just started doing it what if he starts doing it and says actually i'm not really uh (laughs) yeah i've done that first one but i I think i'll i don't think i'll do the rest because i'm not really it's not my thing and they're like yeah but chris we've we've already sold up to volume four you know what i mean he's he's i mean i'm sure he's signed contracts and stuff but yeah so I'm, I'm surprised he's not finished recording them yet, unless he's doing more. I don't know. It's, um, Thank you for a pinch yeah. of salt, dude. That man, he changes his mind like the wind. Excuse me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just found it very interesting because I was. It was really good the interview up to that point. Oh. Just the fact that Chris Eccleston was was talking publicly about doing Doctor Who again. It was just awesome. And then when he went and threw that line in, I was like, Oh no! Come oh, on, I'll Chris. have to watch it. I'll have to watch it after the pod. It's strange, isn't it? Because even though Russell's not involved anymore, and that was the, we we found out years later, didn't we, that it was him and Russell that had a bit of a falling out. So even though Russell's not involved in it anymore, that we know of, he's still like, no, nah, don't want anything to do with, with the. I, I, don't I, know. I think it's like an itch that he's trying not to scratch, you know. Because having read his book, he hardly talks about Doctor Who, and um, when he does, he talks about it through his sort of uh, through his child's children's eyes so he talks about his kids and them viewing his episode he doesn't really sort of go into any details from his own point of view but i it's it's always there do you know what i mean, you know what I mean? and he's come back and doing big finish and i i just think he kind of wants to do it but he's fighting with his conscience because he doesn't want to you know doesn't think he should do it i don't know but it's, <laughs> it's obviously there's obviously something still there for him to even keep going back you know and yeah, I don't know. I, I never say never. I think never, never, never give up. I'd love to never see him. Never surrender. In the, love to see him in the sixtieth. Oh yeah, that'd be oh, cool. 
to see that. That would be cool. I also would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when him and Stephen Moffat met and had a little chat about the 50th. You know, that conversation that Moffat talks about where he sort of kept sliding the script over to Chris and Chris gets sliding it back and, no, nah, really not interested. We'll have another drink and <laughs> pushing the script back towards him. No, nah, I don't think I will. And, you know, so <laughs> he's, a, he's a funny one, Chris. I love Chris, though. I'd love to see him back. I really would. Yeah, I think, everybody, I think a lot of people would like to to see him come back. But. So good, yeah. Hit the, he hit the floor running, didn't he? Oh, yeah. In his yeah. first series. He just... Just got the part straight away. It was brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Which is amazing considering how unconfident he was when he when he talks about stuff like that in the interviews and he just didn't know what he was doing and he had no direction and kind of had to just find his own way. Brilliant. Maybe one day. Maybe. You should never say never. No, that's right. Yes. Uh, you been up to anything, Doctor Who? Whoey, bud, the last week? No, not a great deal because with this Pertwee one we're reviewing this week being a six-parter, yeah. um, I didn't really have a lot of time for <laughs> anything else. Uh, I did watch the making of on the DVD, though, which is a, another cracker. Um, so they go back to the location, Dover Castle, with Terence Dix, uh, Barry Letts, um, the director. Uh, who else is there? A couple of other people, I think. Um, and that's really nice. So I, lo- I love it when they take the original sort of crew back to the location and then do little documentaries there and they talk about the making of the episode and um the director gets quite emotional because there was a bit of a fallout um really it's it's not he doesn't really go into detail because he says he still finds it quite painful but he i he you know he did a good job they were really happy with the way he directed it but i think um there was a budgetary thing where he had to go back and reshoot some stuff because he didn't get all the shots, and he okay. said he never never directed another Doctor Who again, and he was really sad because he really wanted to direct more. Um, but yeah, it's a great little documentary. If uh, anyone hasn't watched it and they and they like the story, go go and give that a watch. So that was good. Uh, I haven't really done much else. There was a Doctor Who quiz last night with David Tennant and Georgia Moffat. Um, I didn't take part, but I would have loved to because I keep seeing uh, lots of things online. Apparently, Matt Smith asked a question, Jodie asked a question, uh, Capaldi asked a question. So it was all in aid of Mary, uh, no, Mary Curry, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where, I think it was on their Facebook page, but uh, yeah, I saw a few people getting involved in that. And um, that would have been cool. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate I didn't get, didn't get to do that. But. That looked pretty good. I was I only mentioned it because I was hoping you were going to turn around and say you 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 did, but no, I, I saw can see it from your yeah. face you didn't. No, no, no it looked I saw pretty it. cool though, didn't it? I completely forgot. I'll be honest with you, mate. <laughs> I oh, saw yeah. it on Twitter and thought, oh, that looks very cool because they two are really cool together. David Tennant and his uh, and his wife uh, uh, Georgia, they have a really good sort of double team, sort of yes. good double act, and uh, they are. A good double I just act, completely yeah. bloody forgot, as always. Yeah. Well, I kind of did until I was flicking through Twitter and I thought, oh, shall I join? And I thought, well, no, I've kind of missed the boat now. And um, I did sort of think about tuning in just to see, but no, I didn't. But I bet it was fun. Mm. They yeah. are good to go. So no, I haven't really done anything else. Uh, not really. I've just picked up uh, the new Tyler of Victorious book, the, mm. um, All Flesh is Grass by Una McCormack. Um, love the cover on that. I, they, when you put those two books back to back, that one and um, The King, The Fool and The Dead, they look beautiful, those mm. two covers. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting getting into that. But I've literally read one chapter so far. I like, opened it, started it, and then thought, right, I better put a DVD on. But, yeah, 
I haven't really done much else. What about yourself? Uh, no, I've not done anything uh, Doctor Who-y this week, buddy. Uh, in a similar reason to what you said, it's uh, the mind of evil's six parts. So I had to divide that up a little bit. Yeah, same. Yeah. In between doing other stuff, so yeah, man, I've not done any, not done any Doctor Who stuffs this week. It's been a quiet one for me. I'll definitely go back and check out the Eccleston. Thing. I'm really intrigued by that. Right now, I um, I wish I'd opened it. I literally saw it pop up on my Twitter before about half an hour before we started recording, and I just dismissed it because I assumed it was old. Let's go back and have a look. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that I think the Rain's a big Doctor Who fan. That's probably. I'm pretty sure she really likes Doctor Who. That's probably why she's so gutted. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I think it's. Um, yeah, because she gets really excited when she's talking about it. I'm she sure I've yeah. seen her in other stuff talking about Doctor Who. I'm pretty sure she's a big fan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we crack on with the rest of the show, um, normally want to do. Uh, normally, I'd like to do the whole subscribe to the show and socials and all that stuff before i do that bit though uh, as it's our last show of the year uh, i would like to just throw out a bunch of big thank yous to a bunch of people because this year has been rather testing in more ways than one and we couldn't have got (laughs) through this year if it wasn't for um uh, a bunch of people um, who have made it a lot easier for us Uh, and the first one is uh, a big thank you. The obvious one is just our listeners in general. Um, there was a, a big question mark um, as we got into March and April, as of the whole country and the world, it seemed, went into lockdown and stuff, and it all seemed a bit crazy and, and all the rest of it. And uh, from a podcasting point of view, not just Doctor Who, but from podcasting in general, um, many people didn't know if you know, people were just going to drift away from it or if they were going to rely on podcasts more, even more so and stuff like that. And uh, I'm happy to say that throughout this year, um, we've we've had so many more people who have discovered the podcast and who have listened and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't talk about numbers on the show or anything like that, but I will say that as I've gone into the analytics side of things each week, as we've gone through the year, especially since March and April, um, our numbers have gone up and up and up as they do each year, but this year they've gone up and up quite a lot. So it's it's been really cool to see uh, just Doctor Who fandom around podcasting just be as popular as it has been, or or has been for for a couple of years. So um, so a, a massive thank you to all of our listeners, and I say this genuinely. I know I say it every week, but new listeners that have jumped on board and have just discovered us, uh, a big thank you and welcome aboard old-time listeners, people that have been with us since the beginning or for a, a number of years now, the Grizzled Ancients. It's great to have yeah, you love the Grizzled Ancients. with us as always. And even if you're even if you're listening to this show this week and it's the only show of ours that you'll listen to and you're not going to listen to any others, that's still absolutely cool. And thank you very much for, for listening and anyone else that's just listened to the odd episode here and there. It's been awesome to have you all, to all listening to our show. It's uh, It's great. And obviously the people that have subscribed to our show, through Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever app, it's uh, it's great that we come to uh, to land into your your app podcast inbox, as uh, the best way to put it each week. So thank you very much for that. Thank you to our audio reviewers, our regular reviewers who take the time each week to uh, record an audio clip and send that into us. Thank you very very much for that. That's uh, when we get on to our listeners review and reviews and all the. Uh, what you guys think of each show that's probably the best part of the show for us because it's in a small way 
I guess it's how we sort of interact with you guys because a podcast generally a very one-way street. We do the content, you listen, and that's it. So having you guys interact with us every week and uh, send in audio clips or, you know, tweet us or Facebook or email, whatever it is, that really is the best part because it's a bit of interaction with you guys. And I know it takes a little bit more time for people to do an audio clip. So thank you so much to our regular audio reviewers. Uh, very much appreciated. Anyone else that sent reviews on the socials, like I said, uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, a huge thank you to our writing team who have been busy, busy this week. Uh, so Jordan Shortman, Mark Donaldson, and Maria, uh, you guys have been just awesome this year. Uh, I keep coming back to it, but it's really important. This year has been very challenging for for a lot of people. And I know that our writers, those guys, they've not had the easiest of years either, but they've kept coming back and kept writing reviews and various different articles and stuff for the website. So, uh, And we've got some really great feedback from the world of Doctor Who from our writers as well, Nicholas Briggs and some other people at Big Finish. They constantly pick out our reviews and use them in their podcast, on their website. And we've had other people who have been involved in the show who have tweeted about some of our reviews and stuff like that. So it's been wonderful to see that happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you massively to our writing team. And uh, I tweeted this out a few weeks ago, but at the beginning of next year, um, we will be opening up a couple of slots for some additional writers. So keep your ears to the ground and your eyes peeled for those because we'll be asking some uh, some people to jump on board for that. Uh, I'm nearly done. Um, our Discord <laughs> our Discord members, we set up a Discord server. Uh, I think it was the end of last year or the beginning of this year, I think it was. And that's grown and grown. We've got a really cool community now on the Discord server. There's always people chatting and starting conversations and all the rest of it. And we've got a really lovely uh really lovely bunch of people over there so thank you to you guys for um for help grow that and be involved and and contribute to that every week and then from my own personal point of view i would like to say a huge thank you to you buddy my co-host mr geek's handbag (laughs) Uh, because uh, (laughs) there there's been a couple of times this year where my enthusiasm for doctor who and my not my love for the show because that will never go away but my enthusiasm and just wanting to talk about Doctor Who has been strained a couple of times, I think is the best way to put it throughout this year. Mm. And uh, and if it wasn't for you, mate, just, you know, jumping on here every week and hanging out with you and chatting about Doctor Who, I probably would have, if I was doing this as a solo podcast, I probably would have um, done it as a season, I suppose, and not done it every, each and every week because I just needed a break. But um, thinking about this the other day, the fact that we jump on and do this podcast, that's what keeps me uh, sort of into Doctor Who, I think, mainly this year, is chatting to you about it all, mate. So thank you very much for uh, for keeping it going, because without you, I would have uh, I would have not done as many podcasts this year. So, yeah, big thank yous wow. all around. Cheers, buddy. No, I really appreciate that. I mean, yeah, it has been a, it has been a testing year. And, um, yeah, I mean, there are days, I think, I, I think we all feel this with anything we do. I mean, I, we both love doing the podcast. Uh, but sometimes you'll have a, a rubbish week or whatever and you feel, you know, you have to sort of build yourself up to doing anything. But what, as soon as we get it, even on days when I felt like, right, let's get this done, you know, we've got things to do. You, as soon as we get into podcasts, you just, I just love it and I remember why I love doing it. So I know exactly what you mean about that. And um, and I always, yeah, I always say to people how much I enjoy doing the podcast. So I just want to echo what Gary said. Yeah, thank you to all you guys out there. It is, it is fantastic. I 
I know that my other half, or I think I can speak for Gary's other half, often sort of wonder what it is that we do when we just get together and waffle on. And they're like, does anybody actually listen to you two waffling on? I know my other half's like that. It's like, you know, do, do, do people actually want to hear you guys? Just, but we are so grateful for the amount of listeners that, that do tune in every week and just listen to us waffle on. And uh, yeah, I, I still enjoy doing it. I mean, how, how many years have we been doing this now? Uh, I think we've been doing it for about six, coming up to six years now. Yeah, yeah, six years, man. Yeah, it's flown by. I can still remember when I first jumped on. Yeah, so it is amazing. Um, I think Gary said everything I would like to say. I just absolutely echo that. Thanks to you guys. It's uh, yeah. It's just uh, I look forward to a new a new year. Loads more episodes. That's the other thing that my half, half always says. Oh, surely you've reviewed them all now. No, there's <laughs> there's plenty of Doctor Who episodes to come. Yeah, we we have. Yeah, we've still got loads to do. Don't don't worry about that. <laughs> yes we have we still have loads loads yeah. to get through and um as i said earlier our schedule for next year is done every week yeah. uh, of next year is all is all done for the whole year so uh, we will be wrapping up a few things throughout next year i think as we go through we would have done our last mccoy after the when we get to the end of 2021 we only we've only got like two or three davisons left to do we would yeah. have only got two or three hartnell and troutons to do unless they start releasing more animated versions of the lost stories yeah and we would have done pretty much all of david tennant pretty much wow, really yeah um again just two or three stories left same for matt smith we would have done all of sarah jane and oh, we would no. have done all of torchwood except the last series miracle day yeah. so yeah by the end of 2021 we would have we would have gone gone through a big old chunk of of all of doctor who stuff and then who knows after that well you know who know who knows so yes a big big thank you to everybody and uh yes let's crack on with the show before we get on to the merch though remember that you can subscribe to our show in whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on just do a search for the big blue box podcast you'll find us on there we'd love to have you as a subscriber that way you won't miss a show when it updates and lands every single Friday. Uh, you can also listen to all of our shows on the website, Big Blue Box Podcasts at Codic UK. Uh, they're all on there, plus all of the articles and reviews from our writing team. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just do a search for us, or there are links on the website. Come and join in, give us a like and a follow over there. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, and we have a free Discord server too. The link is on the website. Come and hang out there if Discord is your thing. Uh, come and chat Doctor Who with some other cool Doctor Who fans there. And also remember to subscribe to my co-host channel over on YouTube. It is The Geek's Handbag. Yes, The Geek's Handbag, yes. yes. Have a look at some of my vids. <laughs> yes, go and check out The Geek's Handbag. Loads of very cool videos there, as you guys know by now. Go and grab a drink, get comfy and uh, and get smashing uh, smashing through Adam's videos. Uh, Adam's on the socials <laughs> too. Get smashed. <laughs> get smashed, yeah. It is Christmas. Get some eggnog. Get some brandy, whatever. Um, and uh, Adam's on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So go and uh, give him a like and a follow over there as well. Jeez. Right, let's uh, see what old Grumpy Pants has got for us this week. For Christmas, what's he got? Merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. 
<laughs> Merchandise from Dalek Tat. That's the first time I've seen him even remotely happy this year. I think it's because he's off on his travels soon. Where's he off? I've no, I've no idea. All I've all I've seen is a tiny little a tiny little suitcase about the size of an average human's briefcase. So I have no idea what he's got in there. I don't know if it's Time Lord tech. I don't know if it's huge inside there or whatever. I don't know. But um, you know when you're like when you were at school and it was like your last lesson at the end of the day and you knew that you were minutes away from legging out because the bell was about to ring. You yeah. know, that's what he's like. If he had fingers, he'd be drumming them on the table. <laughs> he's just waiting for us to wrap up this show and then he's going to be off. He's eager. He's like shaking, like back and forwards. I wonder where he's going. Who knows, mate? No do you, idea do you where think he's going. He's found a, do you think he's found a Mrs. Dalek tap? Ooh. That we don't know about. Ooh, that's... Uh, it's, just, it's, it's just when I opened up the laptop the other day, I did happen to notice uh, that it was saying holiday destinations to Clom. To Clom. I thought, <laughs> why, why would he want to go to Clom, I thought. I just yeah. wonder if he's found a little, a little uh, soulmate somewhere. Hmm. Mm. What have you been up yeah. to? Oh, he's gone oh no, he's always oh, yeah. yeah, secrecy is <laughs> a thing. Yeah. Oh, I think we've hit enough. Yeah, oh dear. So enjoy Clom if that's where you. No, <laughs> oh, he's not saying where he's going. I don't know. Oh, all right. So he would be off in a minute, mate. I think he's uh, he's done for twenty twenty as well. So he's yeah, gonna be off yeah, soon. Yeah. But he has, uh, as usual, just dumped at, at our feet a couple of uh, bits of merch that are coming up. So the first one is from those dudes over at Eagle Moss or Hero Collector. I still don't know which one. Just flip, <laughs> no, we a, don't know. flip a coin, take your pick on the naming there. But we spoke about the first uh, box set, the master box set, number one. We spoke about that a few months ago. That's on their website still, I believe. Now they've got the box set two, uh, which is called Modern Masters. So just like the Doctor the Master has had many faces throughout the years, this box set collects the Master's most infamous incarnations from the modern Doctor Who series. So you get the Master as Professor Yana, played by Derek Jacobi. You've got the, um, you've got Missy, um, you've got John Sims master, and you've also got um, the latest one um, played by Sasha Darwin, who was in the series 12 uh, series. I said series twice there, but yeah, he was in series 12. <laughs> so the master uh, box set two will cost you, £40, £39.99. It comes in a nice box. You get each miniature figurine as also. And they also get a nice magazine that they pop in there as well. And this is coming soon. The the, the pre-order date apparently, well, it should be very soon because it says it's December 2021 uh, is when you're going to be able to get them. But I imagine the pre-order for these will come up pretty soon because there's no... Um, embargo or caveat on the box art or anything like that so these figures are already done they're already done the boxes art is already ready to rock and roll and just so just a summary the material as with all of these figurines it's the metallic resin at a 1 to 21 scale hand painted for incredible detail and is a great great gift for Doctor Who fans apparently so before I hand over to you, buddy, I would just like to say that two out of these look very good. Yeah. So Professor Yana looks very good. Missy doesn't look too bad. John Sim, John Sim's uh, 
version of the master. I have no idea who that is. That doesn't look <laughs> anything like him whatsoever. And the latest master, I have, again, not a clue who no, that's meant to be. But yeah, two out of four <laughs> is not bad. Two out of four. I thought you'd made a mistake as well when you said December 2021. I was thinking, don't be silly, Gary. You mean 2020, surely this... No, it is December 2021, next year. I mean, what the yeah. heck? Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, mate. Uh, yeah, you are, I mean, the, the problem is you never know what you're going to get if you order these online because every one is hand is hand-painted or whatever. And so sometimes you, you're lucky you get a good one. <laughs> but yeah, looking at these, I mean, these are obviously the ones that somebody's spent time and, and made to look as good as they can. I agree with you. Yeah, Yana looks good. Um, Sim, well. But Sasha, what? <laughs> I don't know, mate. It's uh, bizarre. I don't know, but for four, forty quid, I, I, yeah, might have to pass on that one. It's so so dodgy actually because I I ordered um, a couple of these were reduced on FP recently. The, not the master sets; they were reduced. Um, so it was like the monk and the Eric Roberts master was reduced to like a tenner. And I thought, oh, I'll get that. I'll get that because I want the Eric Roberts master because he's got this big red robe. And I thought, you know, when it turned up, dude, the paint job on it. <laughs> I mean, his robe looked good, but the face was terrible. It got this big mark where they hadn't taken it out of the mould properly, and I was so disappointed. I was just like, you just, like, these are great if you can actually get them in the shop and pick a good one. But oh, if you order them online, it's such potluck. Um, yeah, but I was like, I was like, well, it was reduced. I suppose I can't be bothered to send it back. But it's just <laughs> so disappointing. But I, I like. I mean, they have done some great stuff. They're like Harrop, the monster figures. Some of my favourite things on my shelf are like, I've got like a War Machine one they did, which is absolutely fantastic War Machine. They got that bang on. Uh, I've got a Zabi Ant, which was brilliant. I mean, they've done some great stuff, but then, yeah, just other times it's as if it was Friday in the factory. They wanted to go home quick, <laughs> get a, plonk some paint on these and get out of here. I don't know. It's very hit and miss, but yeah. Anyway, but there it is if you want it um, 40 squid. So... I'm going to move on to something that I definitely do want because <laughs> I love these. And these every time these have turned up, they've just been stunning in hand. So this is the Doctor Who vinyl series uh, from Demon Records. Uh, the latest one they're releasing is the Horror of Fang Rock TV soundtrack, uh, which was the Tom Baker story uh, featuring Louise Jameson as Leela. This is coming on 240-gram Rootin Blob Green Vinyls. <laughs> Rootin Blob. <laughs> so this, Blob Green. Rootin Blob Green, yeah. So actually, it looks like a splodge. There's a picture on, on the website. It's kind of a clear vinyl with a green Rootin Blob in the middle of it. So it's not the whole vinyl. But th this, again, is stunning. Totally up my street. Um, I've loved all the previous ones in this series. I do notice they've gone down, though. 140 gram. They used to be 180, didn't they? used to be again well, they're getting they're, thinner well i think the clear ones are 140 aren't they oh is that what it is i think yeah, so yeah. yeah yeah um i love the style of artwork as well so this uh, this is another cracker of the lighthouse on the front and uh i don't know who does these covers but they they've all got the same sort of style and i really really like it so yeah this is um this is a definite pickup for me it's coming out when is it out february i think it was yeah Ooh, february next year yeah Every next year, and it's twenty six ninety nine, so it's not a bad price for for two vinyls. Uh, definitely getting that. Yeah, Are you mm. tempted with a root and blob vinyl? Uh, <laughs> root I'm blob. not, mate. No, 
No, you're not, not into this one. No, oh. I'll tell you why, because a lot of the previous final releases that have, that have been knocking around, I usually really, really like them. Like the box art, sorry, the, the cover art and the liner notes and the sleeves and everything, they're all normally really good. This one, however, I'm sorry to be a negative ninny, but this just doesn't really invoke anything from the story for me in terms of the really? artwork. The only thing that's remotely related to the story is obviously the very front cover art, which is the lighthouse. Yeah. You know, they've got the big stormy thing going on and the green colour and everything. It's all as it should be. But other than that, there's nothing else that's kind of story specific. Like when you open the open it up and you've got the double vinyl layout, uh, it's just got this kind of like green and turquoisey blue streaks going across oh that, yeah they always they always do that well that could be from obviously that could be from any doctor who story and then the when you take the vinyl out in its sleeve it's just got the modern doctor who tardis in like a vortex all they've done is they've put like a greeny color on it so there's there's nothing actually in here that's uh, i mean don't get me wrong the actual story itself i mean these are one of those things where it's not just the the pure soundtrack it's the narrated version isn't it so it's got the soundtrack in the background and on this particular story it's got um i think it's uh, louise jameson is narrating the story over the top of the soundtrack so the actual audio uh, is probably going to be pretty cool yeah but the yeah. actual cover art and the the artwork throughout everything it doesn't really scream horror of fang rock to me it's just very generic doctor who they just put a green color over it. So uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I think what it, they did, because they pretty much all of them have been the same style, actually. So I think they've just kept to that. I know what you're saying. So I think they've just kept to that style, though. So normally, like, what's the other one I've got? Um, Underwater Menace is the same thing. It's got the Underwater Menace cover, and then you open it up, and it's exactly the same. It's like that cart list and cast list and stuff. But yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be getting this. I, I, I really like it. Um, and it's a good story as well. I think it will mm. be quite decent on, on audio. I think it will translate quite well because it's a, it's quite a talky story anyway, isn't it? It's not exactly an action-packed adventure, so I think it'll be quite good on audio. Yeah, true. So, yeah. yeah, true. All right. Well, I won't put that one on your Christmas list then. <laughs> I'll no, take that off. no, take but, that uh, off. I, yeah. I'm just going to write it on my list to Santa. Hang on, let me just turn <laughs> the page. <laughs> it's quite a long list to Santa this year, right? That's on there. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool, yeah. So there we go. The Horror of Fang Rock is out Feb next year. Right, that's it for merch, buddy. It's review time. What we got? Yeah, so this week a bit of a third Doctor action in the story, The Mind of Evil. Science has abolished the hangman's noose and substituted this infallible method. Now, when the process is completed... The negative impulses that made this man a criminal will have been removed. This machine has the power to affect men's minds, Governor. And it's growing stronger. And it should be destroyed now. Doctor, what did you see? Deadliest threat to mankind since the beginning of time. Gotta find out a way of dealing with that alien creature out there. What alien creature? That is Thunderbolt. It's a gas missile, nuclear-powered, and British, of course. Of course. What's it got to do with the Master? Everything. He's hoping to steal it. An outrage has been committed against the Chinese people's delegation. If you are in charge of security arrangements, we hold you directly responsible. You harm so much as one hair of her head, I'll... You'll do nothing, or I'll put a bullet through both your hearts. 
Wow. The Mind of Evil. This was first broadcasted back in uh, the 30th of January 1971 and went through to the 6th of March. It's a six-parter, 25 minutes each. It was written by Don Horton, directed by Timothy Coombe. It was uh, overseen by Terence Dix, a script editor, and uh, produced by Barry Letts. And the uh, synopsis for this one is Professor, Professor Emil Keller has created a machine that can pacify even the most dangerous of criminals. But when the Doctor and Joe arrive at Stangmore Prison for a demonstration, things start to go horribly wrong, especially when they discover that the Doctor's old enemy, the Master, is responsible for said machine. What could possibly, what could he possibly want from the criminals and what connects him with an impeding World Peace Conference? So John Pertwee and Katie Manning uh, doing their thing here with a, a fairly large supporting cast. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So a bit of Pertwee action, dude. What do you reckon to the Mind of Evil? Mind of Evil. This is quite a... Pre- pre- uh, <laughs> start that again. This is quite a pleasant surprise. Um, I wasn't very excited when I saw this on the list. I'll be honest with you. In fact, I almost asked, because I knew this was going to be the last show before Christmas, I almost asked you to change it. Because <laughs> I thought, oh no, we don't want to go out on that one. Um, I just I just don't remember it being particularly good. In, in my memory, I thought it was quite boring. But I watched this three episodes and then the second three episodes. And um, I really enjoyed it. I was so surprised how much I liked it. Uh, it's a great story. Really, really good story. It's um, It's going on to that list of ones that I never used to reach for, but now I really like. Um, yeah, I just don't think I've really watched this one properly before. Um, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I, I really, really thought it was great. I thought the story was good. There's um, the cast of, of the, the cast are fantastic. The whole cast. There isn't anybody in this I think's particularly bad. Um, they all seem to be playing their parts really, really well. John and Katie are fantastic together so many so many nice scenes between the two of them Delgado is just phenomenal I mean I shouldn't sound surprised about that but he's so so good in this story and the storyline itself is really good this idea of this thing in a machine this creature living in a machine that can feed off your fears and stuff I mean it's probably been done a few times since but it's uh I think for the time it's quite original and I, I just thought it's a great story um if there's any negatives from me on this one, I suppose, like a lot of Pertwee's, it could easily be knocked down to full-parter. And if it had been a full-parter, I think it would have benefited from it and it would have been an absolute classic. Um, and the only other thing really is that the Keller machine itself looks a bit rubbish. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, when it's um, materialising from place to place, terrorising people, it's such a cumbersome prop that it doesn't really work. It's It's... It's not really terrifying as it's supposed to be, but uh, but I think the concept behind it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I'm really surprised, dude. Honestly, this is just not a story that I sticks in my mind. It's never a Pertwee story that I particularly feel like watching, um, and yet I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. I I didn't get bored. I mean, there is padding in it. It could easily have been cut down to four parts, but. I didn't mind. I I wasn't bored at all. I really, really enjoyed it. So I watched it three episodes and then another three in two days. And I I loved it. Really, really enjoyed it. 
Um, oh, there is one other slight negative, actually, I suppose. Although I did love it, I did find the ending just a tad underwhelming. That's the only thing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the story, thought it was great. But the master getting away and stuff at the end, I mean, I don't know, there was such a good standoff between the Doctor and the Master at the end. I loved all that stuff. But then he kind of just drives off and runs over that poor chap. <laughs> and, and then it cuts to them in the office. And it's a bit of a sort of downbeat ending. Thankfully, Pertwee throws in that comedic line of, I'm stuck with you, Brigadier, which really saves the ending for me because it ends on a, quite a fun moment. But yeah, the ending just slightly underwhelming. That's the only other thing. But overall, mate, it's a thumbs up for me. I... I was pleasantly surprised with this one. I enjoyed it. Thought it was good. Hmm. So lots, lots of good unit action in this one as well. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, thumbs up for me on this one, oh, buddy. Oh, good. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you'd be. Yeah, good. Yeah, thumbs up. I can't say this is my favourite Pertwee story. No, no. And it does have a few, a few little niggles in there. To be honest with you, the main niggles for me were really the performances. I thought the performances were really good especially from Pertwee, he had a belter of a story in this one. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Yeah. yeah, and Delgado, like you said, is is, is great. Um, but a couple of the other cast members, I thought just were really into it and their performances were very good. Uh, the only issue I've got really is that, and it's not really an issue, but it's just a side effect of having to watch six episodes of classic Doctor Who. Um, and that is just, yeah, it just pads out a little bit and it just, when you get into episodes four and five, there's just not a great deal going on. You can tell that in the first the first three episodes, there's quite a bit going on, and it, you've got this kind of conspiracy thing building up around the Chinese uh, consulate and the the the, the peace uh, conference and all that stuff, alongside this strange machine and stuff like that. And then you've got the build up and tension of the prisoners in the prison. You know, you can see that building up, but I felt like episode four and five, especially five, they were trying to to build up to the finale, I think, to episode six. Yeah. But then, like you said, it kind of just drifts away a little bit towards the end and nothing really happens. I mean, we get a nice explanation, I suppose, from the Doctor and the Brigadier. <laughs> you know, the Doctor's been a bit clumsy at the end. He's dropped the the circuit for the Master's TARDIS. So he's, the Master's obviously got that and he's buggered off somewhere. And the doctor, you know, explains that quite nicely to us, the viewer, and to the brigadier, and then that's kind of it. They just go. Yeah, the end did, did did disappoint me. I must admit. I, yeah. I think because I was quite into the story, I felt a little bit like, oh, is that it? Yeah. At the end, yeah. And you do feel sorry for the doctor at the end as well, because when the doctor rings him and says, you know, enjoy your exile. You know, I'm off to party, sort oh, of I thing. Love and, that bit. <laughs> and the doctor's like. You can see in it, like Pertwee plays a bit really good, really oh, it's well. brilliant, that bit, yeah. <laughs> you can see him seething, like, just in his eyes, and then he puts the phone down. And you can tell that he just wants to smash the place up. <laughs> but he's like, oh, this is, un- this is unbelievable. Like, yeah. we're supposed to stop this bloke, and now I'm stuck here, and he's gone off. And <laughs> So, although the ending with a, a slight comical uh, overtone or undertone to it, it it does kind of just fizzle, you know, at the end. There isn't this big yeah. sort of showdown because we think we're going to get one because the Doctor heads off to the hangar, the Master's there, and, and we think it's all going to go down. But then 
Um, it was a bit of a tussle. I thought it was going to yeah. be like a chase or something. It's a bit of a tussle. And then it just cuts, doesn't it? It almost feels like, yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be a big old unit chase the master thing and stuff. But that didn't that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aside from that and the, the odd bit of, you know, the pacing's a little bit slow as we get. But that's, you know, to be expected. Unless it's like a real cracker of a story. Which we've had a couple of those over the years. But generally speaking, classic Doctor Who that's more than four parts. You can expect a little bit of padding and a bit of a bit of a slowdown as we get through the middle part. But other than that, I felt this was a really cool, like really good, written, really well written story. And um, uh, it just seems to have like, I don't know, it just seems to have a number of things that keep you invested in the story as you yeah. go through it, because there's quite a few things going on. And uh, as well as the master being the doctor's main um, sort of thing to, to for him to sort out throughout the story, his attention does get diverted to other places because let's face it, unit were pretty useless in this story. So <laughs> well, Yates is such a wet lettuce. Yates, yeah, oh, and Benton. Is... Benton gets taken down pretty easily, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so unit. How did pr- they ever get into unit? I, I don't know. know. Yeah, they were pretty useless. So the doctor has to mop up their mess a couple of times, and <laughs> and uh, and then he's got this whole peace conference thing, which he gets involved in. The young um, uh, Chinese girl that's been controlled by the master. She's doing some stuff. So yeah, and uh, yeah, so the doctor's very busy in this one. It isn't just a straightforward. The master's back. This is his plan. Let's go and stop him. There's other stuff going on. And then we've also got the prison riots and uh, Joe gets taken captive. And then we've got that call, the whole sciencey thing around that machine before we find out it's an actual living organic parasite mind thingy. So there's all that to contend with. So all these different elements kind of pop up at the right time throughout the story. It keeps you invested. Padding issues aside, it just keeps you sort of thinking, like, I wonder what's going to happen. Because one of the prison uh, guys the, the who kind of, um, he's like the ringleader of all the prisoners who takes Joe captive. He's the one that gets the gun and all the rest of it. Uh, he turns out to be quite a an effective little um, baddie to deal with. Yeah, yeah, he the is. Story. Yeah. Mailer. is that Mailer? Mailer, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So he becomes quite a cool character, and you think, oh god, what's going to happen with him? And then we've got the uh, that dude that was affected by the machine very early on. Yeah, he yeah. takes quite a liking to Joe, and so you've got that guy as well. So yeah, there's some some lots of lots of stuff going on, but not in a busy, big, tangled, distracting way. It was very no. well put together. Yeah. No, it's it's got a lot of really good elements. I mean, it's um, I think the reason I never really go for this is because I think in my mind I think it was being quite a, a sort of bland story, you know, a bland story to watch because it's not very colourful. The sets are a bit dull. The machine, as I said, looks a bit rubbish. And so in my head, I was thinking, yes, yeah, it's just a bit of a, a bland watch. But actually, if you if you actually watch it properly, like I did over the last couple of days, it, the storyline is really, really good. It's a great storyline. And the performances from the cast really lift this episode. So it's not sort of um, visually <laughs> uh, pleasant. It's, it's still quite grey and gloomy. I mean, you've got a great location with the Dover Castle as, as the prison great location but the sets are pretty gloomy and basic and stuff but the performances from the cast in this really really uh work well um 
you know, I mean, as I said, Delgado is so cool in this episode. He is absolutely on top form. And the scenes of him and Pertwee, where they have to work together, are just, they're delightful, aren't they? I can't think of any other words. It's just seeing those two together. They are, they're just brilliant. And so many nice moments, like when the master restarts one of the doctor's hearts. I mean, so the master's always trying to kill the doctor, but he never does it because really he doesn't want to. He enjoys the sort of chase more than actually. He doesn't really want to kill the doctor, but he, he enjoys trying to kill him. So when he actually has the chance to let him die, he doesn't. He saves him, doesn't he? He mm-hmm. realises that one of his hearts has stopped beating and he saves him because he wants him to help him, you know, um, to work out how to defeat this machine, which he's got himself in trouble with. I mean, all that stuff as well, where the master's, you know, fighting with the Keller machine. That's hilarious. <laughs> this machine's actually got the master under his thumb and he, you know, he can't really control it. Um, but there's so many nice moments in this with the cast working together. Uh, the, the brig and the doctor are great. There's that scene where they go and meet the Chinese delegate and the brig's nose is totally put out because the doctor starts speaking to him in his own language. And I mean, there's just so many lovely moments like that in the story, which I've just up until now just totally overlooked. It, it really, I think that's what lifts this story up. It's a, a, a fairly simple story, storyline, um, but the performances from all the cast are, are great. There's so many things, so many nice ingredients, like you said. Um, you've got Mailer makes for a great little villain in the background, the guy with the tash. He's really good performance from him. Uh, William Marlowe. Yeah, really good performance from him. I feel like he's properly into it. And when he's like pushing them around in the cells and stuff, he's really going for it. You know, he's not like one of the sort of, you know, one of the sort of um, side cast members that we sometimes get in Doctor Who that's just a bit half you know, or nearly swore then. But you know what I mean? He's, he's given a good performance. He's properly into the part and he's believable. It was quite a nasty piece of work as well. So, yeah, it's, it's just, like you said, there's a lot of really nice ingredients that really come together to make this a good story. I, yeah, just wish we'd had a better um, conclusion to it in a way. I mean, it kind of just wraps up very, very quickly. And when you've got six parts, there's plenty of room to, to breathe. So the, I think mm. there should have been all the all the stuff with unit and the and the big um rocket you know in in episodes four and five like you said a bit padded there's a lot of chasing around when they get ambushed and stuff maybe we could have seen a bit more of that action sort of towards the end i think to make it a bit more exciting would have been good but yeah yeah direction direction is very good as well i I mentioned timothy coom earlier who got into a bit of trouble with this and uh for, for over spending i think not quite sure but he does a great job, I think, with the direction. Like, it's very well shot. As I said, the sets are not very exciting, but seems like when Benton <laughs> passes out or whatever and his neck falls through the rails of um, Cornwall Gardens and all that, you know, it's really well shot. You know, like, he's going for lots of interesting angles and he really does try and make the the best of the locations. Like, the stuff in Dover Castle is when they're having the big shoot-off between Unit and the, the prison people. It's pretty... Uh, you know, it's pretty epic stuff, really. It's very well shot. You know what I mean? It's it's not just mm. um, yeah, you're having a gunfight, so just shoot and point. It's it's very, yeah, there's lots of interesting angles going on, which makes it quite exciting as well. Yeah, some of those death scenes were very pantomime, weren't they? It was hilarious, like when uh, some of the prison people were, were being shot, and the same for unit. There was a lot of uh, like throwing their arms up in the air, like very. There was look, a lot of falling from the yeah. Look at me, I'm, I'm dying. I've just been shot. 
<laughs> I tell you, I thought the, um, I thought some of the, for the time, some of the levels of, I, I suppose you would call it violence. You know, the gun shooting stuff was quite near the knuckle for the time, though. So the the cliffhanger to episode five, when the Doctor gets, we think the Doctor gets shot. That's quite a harsh cliffhanger. To, you know, like I can imagine Mary Whitehouse wouldn't have liked that. Is it? <laughs> Even I was thinking, and I've seen this before, even I was like, how does the Doctor get out of that? Because he was literally, like, the gun was pointing at him. He fires the gun. There's no way he could have missed. How does the Doctor survive? I couldn't remember. So it was quite on the edge of my seat. And I thought, that's a great cliffhanger, but very, very close to the knuckle. Mm. If the Doctor yeah. gets shot. And then obviously net the following week, I think it's a great conclusion. Turns out that we're actually seeing the Brigadier's gun fire and saving it. What a fantastic... <laughs> resolution because i knew there was going to be a cheat i mean there's no way the dots was going to get shot but i thought that was a really good i didn't feel cheated actually if you know what i mean i thought it was a really good way to resolve that cliffhanger that's the briggs gun that we're seeing shoot mm-hmm. not not the bad guy shooting the doctor brilliant mm-hmm. you know so again down to the direction i think it's very, very well done no it was it was well directed and although we had some of the some of the set work uh, the studio um, direction was a tad static, but not yeah, too bad. Yeah. I found that the location stuff was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't static at all. A lot of that was very cool. And uh, it felt like a real, unfortunately, for um, for Timothy Coombe, who directed it, um, you can tell that it had a, a pretty reasonable budget in relation to the world of... You know, Considering this is classic Doctor Who, which had very little money, you could tell that it had a little bit of money thrown at it. And I think it was the, uh, I think it was the famous um, helicopter scene. Was it in episode five or something where the, the the helicopter turns up? And oh no, it's in the finale at the end where um, you know they're in a helicopter, and so the the cost of of hiring the helicopter with a pilot and getting it all filmed properly and stuff just took it it was already over budget i think so that just took it way over and that's what led to um barry let's infamously i suppose rather than famously saying to him you're not welcome back anymore um because i think he did the similar thing with the um uh previously it wasn't quite as 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 far over budget but when timothy coombe directed uh doctor who and silurians previously the year before I believe that went over budget, not quite as much as this one, but certainly went over budget. And Barry Letts was oh god! So when this one, when the uh, all the receipts start coming through, and all the invoices for this one, Barry Letts was like, "Frick, we just can't have you back, mate. We can't have you just destroying the series budget on one story. It's like we can't be having it." So that was it. He wasn't invited back. That's this was his last. Um, uh, directorial role for, for Doctor Who. So, but um, I say unfortunately for Timothy Coombe, it's unfortunate for him because he wasn't allowed back, but um, fortunate for us because the episode looks very good and was directed very well out on location. So even some of the simple stuff when the master's outside the unit office and he's in that very nice old big, I don't know if it's a Rolls Royce or a Daimler or something like that, very nice big yeah. old car. And he sat there and he's got his big cigar. He would have expensed that through the BBC and he's got a lovely <laughs> suit on and the guy driving him around. Even those scenes uh, are done really well and all the little props look really cool. So, there's, there's, yeah. 
there's a lot of effort gone into it, isn't there? I, it's weird. I was thinking this because the picture quality is not the best uh, on the story because all the episodes were uh, were they junked or lost or the the BBC don't own the original, um, you know, films for these. So I think these are all colour. What do they call it? They, they're all black and white episodes that have been coloured in, and uh, they were taken from a what's the system called? Tele Tele Recordings. Um, which yeah. basically is a sort of, a, well, it's a really old piece of equipment that's recorded something off of a screen in black and white, and then they coloured it in. So the actual picture quality, they've done an amazing job with what they had. Let's put it that way. It, it, it's perfectly watchable. But I was thinking, isn't it incredible to think of all the work that went into making this episode and the director going to all that effort and the cast just being on top form and all the, you know, all that stuff just for the episodes just to be burnt and wiped or wiped and thrown away. You know, it, it, you can't imagine what was going through the BBC's head. I know they didn't have room to back then to sort of keep all these film cans, but it's so hard to believe that this stuff, you know, all this effort goes into making it just for it to be wiped a few years later. It's, it's really, really mad when you think about it. So I'm glad that, somehow they've managed to salvage together this you know what they've got and make make it look as good as it does if you know what i mean i mean there are this is coming out on blu-ray next year and i'm sure that they will have done their best to improve the picture quality but i think it's episode four or five where the colors you can see they've really struggled to to color in the black and white film it's it's bleeding off the screen quite a lot isn't it and um yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much they've improved this when the Blu-ray comes out. It still still looks perfectly watchable. It's not bad, but you can tell it's not the original source. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, this one, because for episodes two to six, they had some, in terms of like technically how you restore and recolor something, they had something called uh, chroma dot information. And... Um, it's called the chroma.color recovery. And what it basically boils down to is when you've got that black and white signal and it, and it's completely analog, unfiltered, there's nothing in front of it that's cleaned it up already. It's just the raw telerecording. Um, there was some dude, oh, I've forgotten a guy's name. There was a guy at the BBC, he was an engineer, and he discovered that uh, the all those tiny little chroma dots so when you zoom into the picture, you've got all these little dots that make up the black and white image. He found out that if you sort of really zoom in and dive into the picture, he found that those little dots actually have got a little color value, but which not visible to the naked eye when you're watching it on TV. So he developed this system of being able to extract that information from those little dots. And then from there, you can feed it into something else, another bit of equipment that will apply that color to all of those dots. It's a bit techy, but uh, that's yeah. basically it. But the the problem is, is that because of the nature of the material that's left over these tele recordings, you don't get a very. It's not a pure image straight from the from the cassette or the film, whatever they recorded on. So what happens is, and you normally get it when you're looking at things like the sky or water or something like that. You get this real sort of fuzzy, wavy kind of effects and stuff like that. Like a ghost like that. effect. Yeah. yeah. So it's very cool. Don't get me wrong. It's very cool. And um, they they managed to, to recolor it all, obviously. It just looks a bit ropey. But the thing that's very cool about it is that episode one, 
they didn't they didn't have any of that chroma dot information in the picture so there was a a guy that they hired uh, a guy called Stuart Humphreys and he um he manually recolored that episode every single Amazing. frame individually and there was just over 7000 frames that made up that episode and he recolored them by hand manually so what when i obviously i didn't realize any of this the first couple of times i watched this but after researching for this review before i watched it again i thought actually episode one looks miles better than the actual uh, chroma dot recovery thing on episodes two to six you don't have that big fuzzy uh warped kind of thing that you have like with all those other ones that uh, Stuart humphrey's actually gone in and yeah it's just it's just amazing it's like amazing that somebody a human being spent so much time he, that I mean that is commitment for you to do seven thousand frames of of tv it's really it's, it's awesome it is and it makes you feel really lucky doesn't it that we've got people out there that are prepared to that have got so much love for this that they're prepared to do that because mm. we just plonk it in sit back and watch it and think oh picture looks a bit ropey but you know we don't sort of think about I mean, if you watch the making of I talked about earlier, you'll see a bit of some of the original footage and the black and white. And when you look at what they had to work with, it's amazing that it looks as good as it does. You know I mean? But it, we just take it for granted because we assume it's just, I think if you didn't know about all this stuff, you'd probably just think, oh, well, it's just old. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just, the, it's just, yeah, it's just been thrown in the bin and somebody's managed to, to you know, make something from another copy that was thankfully preserved somewhere else you know from a really sort of basic secondhand way of recording the episodes but just think we could have saved we could have saved ourselves all that trouble if they'd have just kept the originals in the first place <laughs> having to go for all this stuff but yeah they did they, they have done a very good job i have to say it's um it's not perfect obviously but god it's so much better than it could have been and uh, it's perfectly watchable it's but yeah it's completely yeah. watchable it's um yeah, and you don't think, oh wow, this looks terrible for the seventies and the Pertwee era. So it just doesn't look as good as episode one, which has a really good, really it, good uh, outcome. It's, ama- yeah. it's amazing what they can do. It makes you think, and technology is changing and improving all the time as well. Uh, what did I watch recently that they'd done a? Oh, if you ever watch, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Professionals, but it's got a massive following. You know, the seventies TV show or eighties, whatever it was. Um, if you ever watch them on the TV you'll see how bad the picture quality is. And um, whoever did the remastering on the Blu-rays, it is unbelievable. It looks mm. like a totally different program um, because they've got the original films, you know, to work from and stuff. And it is incredible what people can do now. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the restoration on this when it comes up on Blu-ray next year. Because it's mm. now a story that I really, really like as well. That's the thing. I wasn't bothered about it at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> like... But I'm actually really looking forward to watching this one again when it comes out next year, just to see how much better it looks or or doesn't, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it will look really good because those mm. Blu-rays have typically been on some stories. You don't really notice it too much. Like if there was already a decent restoration when those uh, when they brought them out on DVD originally, and all you're doing is you're just viewing it at a slightly larger resolution for Blu-ray. Sometimes the difference uh, is not like night and day. But then some other stories, you're like, bloody hell. Like they've well, really the, cleaned it up. Yeah. 
I was thinking about the clips from Terror of the Autons in the trailer. I mean, immediately you can spot that they, because that's another one that suffers from this same problem, isn't it? That yeah. um, they've junked the original episodes and they've had to color them in and stuff. And um, that already looks quite improved. So, yeah, I've got quite high hopes for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the same thing. Um, well, it's a similar thing with uh, the Claws of Axos. So yeah. when they released the special edition version of that on DVD, that had like a that had a really good restoration done on that from the standard DVD that was out a few years before. So episodes like that are probably not going to be a huge jump in quality on the Blu-ray. Um, but other things like you said, yeah, Terror of the Autons, that will look awesome because that didn't have the big old um, big restoration, I don't think anyway, on the DVDs and stuff, so... I think that's why I was surprised that this was announced as the next box set because I remember saying to you a while ago they're really going to struggle with a lot of the Pertwee stuff because of all these issues. So I, I'm really pleased it's coming out on Blu-ray. But uh, yeah, I, I was surprised because I thought they might wait. As I said, technology is changing all the time. I thought they might wait until the future when they know they can really, really improve these things. But we'll probably be on to another format by then. Yeah, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we always think, oh, it can't get better than DVD. Oh, Blu-ray, can't get better than Blu-ray. Oh, 4K. You know, technology is changing all the time. So, you know, we just don't know. But Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, though. And I'm glad yeah. that we're getting all of the Blu-ray sets as well. That's Oh, cool. they're, my, they're my, one of my favorite things, yeah. 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 I just want to rattle through just a few themes then, dude. Mm -hmm. um, before we get on to um, some other cast members. So theme-wise, uh, what did you think to the whole prison aspect of this then? Because a lot of it is set in the prison because that's where the Master has purposely sent this machine uh, in a bit of a cloak and dagger thing. It's like on the surface, it's like this yeah. machine. And it's quite an interesting idea. It's like they want to get rid of uh, corporal punishment and executions and all that stuff. And they want to replace it with this machine that supposedly removes all of the impulses for people to do bad things and those negative thoughts and uh, extracts it from someone's mind. And then, hey, presto, they're like all happy and positive and all the rest of it. So uh, so you've got all of that stuff that obviously needs to happen in a prison. But the, the initial setup was really cool when you had that guy that was demoing the machine and you had the doctor with Joe sat there and he just... He doesn't keep his voice down, does he? He's like, no, you know, just, undermining the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> and, and then it obviously goes wrong, as we knew it would do. And then that's it. Then the doctor's off in in uh, detective mode to try and figure out what's going on. And so that whole scene, and then th further throughout the story, when we go back to the prison and the riots are going on, and and uh, and Joe's more involved in that stuff while the doctor's off doing other stuff. But it was a decent um, thing to come back to like we mentioned earlier, these different things that happen throughout the story. The whole prison setup was quite cool, I thought. Yeah, I loved that beginning because what, what a great idea of having this machine to remove evil thoughts. And again, a great concept. Um, but I loved that as well because Pert was just brilliant in it. He's quite tetchy in this one, isn't mm -hmm. he? He's a little bit heartless, I thought. Uh, superb performance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Superb performance from John Pertwee in this, as always. But yeah, he's, he's brilliant in those scenes as well when he's just totally everything the guy says he's just undermining him talking to joe saying well that's wrong that can't be right and all this sort of thing <laughs> and uh, until the guy eventually snaps and you know gets in causes bluff sort of thing but yeah yeah very i loved all that stuff the whole setup of what this machine is what it's supposed to do you kind of know it's going to go wrong then you bring in the master who's obviously going to manipulate that machine 
Then you find out he can't control it and he asks the doctor for help. It, it just really, it, as it progresses the story, it really flows well, I thought. Yeah, it was really good. So I love that yeah. bit where the doctor's trying to get the electric ring around it and the master's controlling the machine at the other end. <laughs> just to see the doctor and the master working together like that. Um, it's quite unique, isn't it? Because they are opposite ends of the coin. They are good and bad. And yet quite often in the Pertwee era, him and Delgado were sort of forced to work together to do things. And, um, and they always, there's like this affection between them, but they hate each other. And it is, so, well, they hate each other, but, you know, they are adversaries. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a unique, um, such a unique relationship that is so good on screen. Like you said about the phone call at the end, where the master just phones him up to gloat and, <laughs> you know, they're like sort of, um, they're like two sort of school kids, really. They're like the best of friends, but they're enemies. It's such a good relationship. But yeah, I loved all that stuff. I loved, just loved the way the story progressed. Yeah, no, it's a great, it was, it was set up really well right in the classic years as well with mm. the Doctor and the Master because they've kind of kept true to that formula even in Modern Who with the Master and the Doctor to a degree. We have this constant tug of war between mm. the Doctor just hoping that, the master's going to come good at some point. He, he or she never does. But the doctor's always, even at the point where the master's about to be killed at various points, he's like, I can save, you know, I can remember tenants screaming at John Sim, you know, yeah, you know, I can save you sort of thing. And he's not having it. And we've seen it over the years. So it's really cool that they've, they've continued that relationship. And it is, it, it is very cool because the, the master is like the antithesis of the doctor in a way because the doctor's all very much like, oh, Gallifrey this and Gallifrey that and Time Lords this, everything's brilliant and everything like that. But then you have somebody like the master who's obviously a Time Lord. It's like, oh, actually, they're not all good. You know, not everything that came out of Gallifrey was brilliant and amazing. So you've got yeah. this kind of split down the middle where, you know, the doctor's arguing his point about how brilliant Gallifrey is and the Time Lords and then. But then there's like other cracks come out as well, you know, the, as we've gone through the years of Doctor Who, they've got the Doctor saying, you know, the Time Lords weren't all good, you know, there was certain bits. So the fact that it all starts with those two from the classic years, that kind of divide between what the viewer thinks about Gallifrey and Time Lords versus somebody, a character like the Master, who's this very dark uh, figure, like the opposite to the Doctor's kind of positive outlook and stuff the doctor only uh, the master only wants to do bad stuff and kill people and all that like it's 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 such a great thing to have just littered throughout classic who and this is one of those stories yeah and delgado's master he he just relishes so much joy out of so much dark material doesn't i mean he's quite he is a dark master you know like when he threatens joe he's like he's gonna have a shot point blank right there and then if the doctor doesn't help and and you know, and you know, he'll do it. You know, he is, he is evil. And yet he's so charming. And (laughs) at the same time that you can't help, but love him. It's just, you know, he, he's so suave and smooth. And I, this is why I said recently, why I wish Sasha had gone down this route a little bit more. Cause Sim was kind of a bit too crazy for me as the master. I like him, but he went a bit OTT when Sasha revealed himself as the master. He, went down the sim thing of, of all the crazy head shaking and face pulling. And I thought, God, no, you'd be so good 
if you played it more, uh, just a little bit more like Delgado, because he is so, he's quite quiet at times. He's just so calculating. He's so clever. You know, he he does raise his voice now and again, but most of the time he's just really sinister, sinister. without having yeah. without having yeah. to be, you know, acting like a complete loon. You know, he doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, I've got these things in my head, I'm crazy. You know, he doesn't. He's just so... It's all bubbling under the underneath with Delgado's master, and you just know you wouldn't cross him. Like there's a scene where he grabs—is it the doctor's arm or so? He grabs someone's arm at one point and threatens them, and you think, God, you know, you, you really wouldn't mess with Delgado's master. But he's also got the side to him where you just would—I don't know—he'd love to just spend time with him because he is so clever. You know, um, he is the perfect sort of other side of the coin to Pertwee's doctor. You know, they're both yeah. sort of suave, both very clever. Um, but, yeah, I just just think he just delivers the best performance. I don't think I'll, I'll ever top you – know, no other actor will ever be as good as Delgado as the master for me, I don't think. He just is perfection on screen. You know, and yeah, I love great. the other masters yeah. as well. You know, I like Anthony Ainley. I think he's great. And, and um, you know, and I like the new series masters. But he just nails his performance every time for me, Delgado. I just find him – just so cool. <laughs> he's so evil, but he's so cool. You know, like when he's in the back of the car with his cigar and stuff, he just emulates Suave. And he swans around as if he just <laughs> owns the world anyway, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Just, just nothing phases him, you know? I just, I just love him. No, he's great, yeah. yeah. And there's that, he is very sinister. There's that scene where very. He's, already, <laughs> he's already been out at the telephone exchange. And he's like put a, yeah. a tap on one of the things or whatever, yeah. and uh, and then he's in his car. There's a scene later on where he's in his car and he's just reading the paper. He's got his big cigar out again, and he's got the radio on. He's got a big old grin on his face. He's like, eh, I know everything that's going on. Yeah. But then when they hear about when he hears about the Chinese woman has now been sort of found and everything, his mood changes instantly. And he's like, Stangmore Prison, and then that's off. And then that's the next phase. But there are moments like that. You're right. He just sort of knocks about and he's got no, like he's not in hiding, put it that way. Like, even though he knows that the doctor knows about him and his involvement and unit knows he's not sort of, you know, like with some, well, a lot of bad guys and criminals and stuff when they know that people are onto them, it's like, right, we need to lay low for a bit, you know. People he almost are relishes in it, enjoys yeah. it, doesn't he? He's, yeah. He loves having, you know, causing chaos. And he, yeah, I, I think it's interesting as well because he's in so many stories. He's kind of like the villain of the week every week. And that's not something you would do now, is it? You wouldn't have the master popping up every week and the doctor trying to foil him and him escape every week. It's a, It seems a bizarre thing to do. And yet somehow it works in the Pertwee era. I think because you don't want him to get caught, you sort of think, no, no, the master's got to get away because I want to see what he does next week. Mm-hmm. But um, it's quite unusual that you wouldn't do that now, would you? You, it's, you wouldn't. If Sasha popped up every week, you that would be boring, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I'm not saying that because of Sasha. I think he's great, but you just wouldn't do it with any any villain now in the in class in in Doc Two. You wouldn't have them pop up every week because you know yeah, Twitter true. would be going mad. It was like, oh God, can't they? Let's see a different monster this week. Why have we got the master back again? But in the Pertwee era, it's just, I don't know, it just works. No, that's true, mate. Yeah, you've got a point there. I think if you'd probably get a bit of master fatigue after a little while, if it was all the time. 
It's not, yeah, I think it's great having him back now and then, or he or she having them back now and then, but yeah, every week it'd be like, yeah, it's going to be Maybe boring. it's just because the Pertwee area, you've kind of got a sort of different setup. You've got, because Unit were there every week, you've got the Master there every week. It's kind of like this little sort of, it's almost like a different show in a way, isn't it? You've got this different setup back then of Unit, the Master, the Doctor, Joe, and that's what you've got every week, pretty much. Whereas now we're sort of used to sort of standalone stories and each week it's something new and it's, it's just a kind of different era to the show, really. But as mm. I said, for me, it totally works. I really love the sort of unit early era. Yeah, no, agreed, mate. Yeah, let's talk about unit quickly. So they, yeah. were, they were in this a lot, an yes. awful lot. So the brig, uh, Nicholas Courtney, has a big old role in this one. He's in... He's great, actually. So this. many scenes, yeah. Uh, and there was one... We have, we have to talk about the standout scene because he plays typical brig... Get that door open, mate. Yeah, ninety five percent. But that scene where he turns up at the prison and pretends to have a delivery of supplies, yeah. he's like, "All right, uh, what what you all got, right, Governor? Yeah, I got all supplies here." And he's like, <laughs> "The the guard is basically like bugger off." He's like, "Look, I've got supplies in here, food, nosh. What am I supposed to do with it now?" You know, he tries to do this Cockney uh, London accent, doesn't he? But it's a bit like. I don't know. You can even tell that Nick Courtney's got a bit of a grin on his face, like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah, but that was such a cool scene, though. And then he gets his hands dirty as well. He has a bit of a yeah. shootout, doesn't he? With the, And that seems to go on forever, that shootout scene with the, the prisoners coming out there. Yes, it does, prison. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's could be classed cool, as a bit of padding, but it is good, yeah. It does go on for quite a while. <laughs> it does, yeah. But Nick Courtney's great in this, though. I felt like Unit themselves are a bit... Like they lose the missile, Benton gets us, you know, he gets taken <laughs> over, Yates gets a slap and he's not, yeah. the Brig's not happy with them. And so they're not that great, to be honest with you, but Nick Courtney is brilliant though in this one. He is good. I mean, I talk about, um, I talk about Dagada and, and Pertwee together being magic, but so is, is the Pertwee and Brig because they, they again, the, the sort of, they, they're quite antagonistic to each other, but they, again, they, you can tell that they love each other. Um, they are brilliant on screen together, but yeah. Nick's great. He, he he really throws himself into this. He gets a lot of good scenes and he gets a lot of good action scenes. He gets that brilliant resolution to the cliffhanger of series, episode five. Um, you know, the Cockney scene, like you said, um, the bit where the, the ambassador, where he can't speak the language and he's like, oh, he's all cross because <laughs> the doctor's taking over. So many good scenes with the Brig in this. Uh, he's um, he's a bit like Delgado. He's always fun when he's on screen. You just mm-hmm. always can't take your eyes off the Brig because he's just brilliant. Yeah. There's a little bit of two-in and throwing between the Doctor and the Brig in this one as well. When yeah, the Doctor is, yeah. first turns up and Yates is sat there, <laughs> I think the Brig's like a bit impatient. He just wants to blow it up. Yeah, and the <laughs> Doctor's whatever, like, yeah. Yeah, doctor's like, oh, I see the Brig's in his normal, welcoming, forthcoming mood. Yates is <laughs> grinning and he's like, stop grinning like a Cheshire cat, Yates. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, another good scene. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, um, yeah, that cliffhanger to episode five where we think the doctor's been shot in the prison. And then when we start the next one, it's uh, we t- it turns out it's the brig that shot um, uh, Mailer. And the doctor's like, now it's the doctor's turn to be angry. He's like, do you ever think you might be arriving other than the nick of time or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Can you arrive just, just before the nick of time, just once? Brigadier just once, that's it, like, yeah. yeah. And the Brig yeah. just got his big grin on his face, like, yeah, it's nice to see you too, and thanks, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. That's what I mean. There are, there are a lot of lovely moments like that in in this. Um, 
you said the cliffhangers are fairly decent. They're a little bit repetitive. They are, um, yeah. but they they are good. I mean, the the first one Pertwee gets through a bit of classic face pulling, um, but we hear the Daleks, which I wasn't expecting. At all. Is that the first one or was that the second bit? Uh, no, that's... sorry, it's the it's the second because two of the cliffhangers are almost identical, aren't they? At the Doctor, yeah, getting tired. So yeah, sorry, it's the second time the machine starts to work on the Doctor's brain we we hear the daleks which i was not expecting at all um even though i've seen this before i just was like daleks what <laughs> and then it, we kind of get the same cliffhanger again ish um and we sort of see previous foes on screen so we see like an i think an ice warrior a war machine mm-hmm. um we hear the daleks again what else do we see we see a few classic monsters that sort of pop up on screen very briefly yeah there's a few uh, yeah so they are good cliffhangers, even though they are very similar mm. <laughs> uh, a lot of the time. But yeah, I, it's, it's something always nice about when you see a classic monster just pop up on screen. Like that, that happens a few times when it's in the Doctor's memory. But then that's just reminded me of another fantastic moment in this episode, which is when it's reversed and the machine's working on the Master's fears and it's the Doctor doing <laughs> this insane laugh. Yeah. And I thought that was such a great scene. I, I was I was really laughing at that. I thought it was brilliant that, of course, the Master's worst fear would be the Doctor mocking him and laughing at him. And um, Pert was just really going for it in that because he's got like his big cloak cape <laughs> out and he's rah, he's really roaring laughter at the Master. That was yeah, a great that's scene. That's so good. Yeah, it was really well good, done as well. Yeah. It was pretty well done for its time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, apparently I think he uh, said on the production text that Pertwee was did it live in the studio at, at the time. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't superimposed pre-recorded. He actually was on the other side of the studio doing it live. Mm-hmm. So that, that's yeah, awesome. But that's yeah. a great scene, isn't it? I love that. The master's just petrified. It's brilliant. Yeah. And it was cool that the first time that the machine had a go at the doctor, he just saw like fire and flames everywhere. Yeah. The doctor's yeah. like, I saw a, a world consumed by fire, which is obviously a, a, a mention back to Inferno like the parallel world that was mm. you know burnt and stuff like that so it was very it was really well done those things and like you said with the daleks and stuff it was it was very cool um there's a lovely scene with Pert, we in the cell with um joe as well because i think Pert was a doctor i slightly overlook i think sometimes personally i i've always liked him but then i see him as i think sort of more i often think of him as being a bit more comedic than he is so when i watch him in episodes like this he's playing the part very straight and he's quite tetchy in it which in a good way um but then there's these lovely soft moments so there's that scene with him and joe in the cell where he starts talking about sir walter riley and 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 that and i thought that's such a lovely moment and and it's out of nowhere and it has no significance to the story you could even call it padding if you want but it's a lovely moment that pertwee just delivers brilliantly because Joe remarks that he looks shattered, and he, he does. It's, it's just really nice to see the Doctor just stop, lie down, and just talk to, 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 to Joe, you know, one-to-one, and just have that lovely moment between the two of them. Um, but, yeah, he plays that scene so well, and it reminded me just how good Pertwee is as the Doctor, really. He, you know, I know he has a massive fan base, but um, he's I really like his Doctor, but I, I often don't put him up there as, like, one of my top three but then every time I watch him, I just think, God, he really is. He's such a good doctor, Pertwee. You know, but moments like that as well, lovely. 
lovely, that's lovely very moment. Cool. Yeah, like you said, it didn't have any. Uh, it, it wasn't in, connected to the story in any way. It was just a nice moment for the two of them with the doctor. Yeah, because she's really worried about him because he's obviously, you know, he's been knocked for six and uh, and he's just he chilling out. As yeah. Well, yeah. So that's no, a I nice mean, thing. Is, I wish. I wish we'd see more of that in the classic series. Like we talked about the sort of love interest thing between like the doctor and Rose and all this, didn't we quite recently? And I, and I said, I, I, this is the sort of doctor companion relationship that I really like. And I think I wish we had more of this in the modern series where he's like, it's a friendship. It's a, they, you know, they really care for each other. It's none of the sort of getting jealous or love interests sort of side to it. And it's, um, yeah, it's a much more pure relationship between the Doctor and, and his companion back then. I, I, I think it's charming. I really, really love I mean, Katie Manning, we haven't really spoke about her. She's she's great in this. I, I was a bit worried that she wasn't going to be in it much to begin with because she kind of gets locked in the cell and that's it. But then as the story progresses, she does get some lovely moments like this with the Doctor. She gets to throw her breakfast at the guard when they're trying to break out. She becomes quite a good companion to the guy who's reverted back to being a child in his mind. I mean, you know, she is actually used quite well towards the second half of the, the story. Yeah. And um, Katie gives a lovely performance as well. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I thought on the, on the most, for the most part, I thought that Joe didn't really have a great deal to do. Not, no, not considering um, it's six episodes. I, yeah, I thought the same, but she does have some great moments, but, She's not in yeah. it as much as I thought she'd be in it. No, she does, definitely. She's she's in it more than I remembered, but she still doesn't really have a lot to do, if that makes sense. She's in it, yeah, but she's not really yeah. doing much, which is not a bad thing at all, because we don't want another Clara situation where it's the Clara show and she saves the Doctor and everything. So that, that's not a bad thing, but she is great, though, as always, Katie Manning. she's um, And I, I like the relationship that she forms with the Doctor in the prison as well. Um, uh, Doctor Summers. Uh, that's really nice because there's a moment. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about him. Yeah, yes. I was going to come on to him as well before um, before Joe. But yeah, he's a really cool. He really Michael shared. He really gets into that character. He's like there's a moment where he dives at one of the prisoners with a gun because he wants to protect Joe, and he's quite shouty and stuff. And he's he's really getting into it. But um, it, you know, Michael shared has got a. He has a few roles in Doctor Who, notably. He, he goes does, on to play yeah. Scarman in Pyramids of Mars and some other bits. But no, he's a great he's a great character in this. And I think we really needed somebody like that in the prison scenes, as well as like the dude who are rioting and, you know, people like Mailer and stuff. We needed someone else on the inside because the dude that plays the prison governor, I suppose, or the the manager, he's uh, uh Raymond Westwell plays the governor, who's a bit of a a bit of an office jockey, really. He doesn't really do yeah. much. I mean, it takes a lot of persuading for him to go out and actually talk and negotiate with the guards. Otherwise, he's just like, yeah, just going to sit at the desk for a bit and, and have a chat and a bit of a sit down. And yeah, so we needed someone like Dr. Summers. He can, and he definitely got his hands dirty. I'm glad you mentioned him, actually, yeah, because Michael Sheard does pop up in, in Doctor Who in quite a few roles over the years. And um, once again, I'd completely forgotten he was even in this and he, he's, a, he's a really nice character really good performance um, totally plays it straight quite understated the, the great scene when um, the, you know the, the chap who who's become childlike what's his character name when they realise that the machine can't work on him now because it's taken away all the bad stuff 
which again, really nice idea that, but the machines actually, yeah. you know, can't affect him now that it's already done all that. That's a great way of getting, because I kept thinking, how are they going to beat it? The doctor says himself, doesn't he? I have no idea how I'm going to defeat this thing, which, um, so I didn't see that coming at all. I thought it was a lovely, lovely bit of writing. Um, but yeah, there's that scene where he's been told to sit by the machine to keep it, to stop it from working. And then, um, Michael Sheard's character, Dr. Ronan, comes in and Dr. Summer, sorry, comes in and tries to, we can't have him in here. We've got to get him back. You know, he's not well. And, and you know, he was really good in scenes like that. You know, it added some real sort of drama to it. What's yeah. the character's name? The guy's, uh, yeah, that was Barnum, child. wasn't it? That was Barnum. Is it Barnum that's yeah. become childlike? Yeah. Yeah. He was good. He, he played the part well, because that's the sort of, um, performance that's easy to get wrong, isn't it? So, you know, your stage directions are, well, you've had your mind reverted back to a child. So mm-hmm. you've got to act childlike. So instead of being all silly and childish, he just plays it as sort of um, like an innocent child, like he doesn't know anything really. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a good performance from from that guy. I don't know what the actor's name was. But oh, it's uh, Neil McCarthy. I did feel sorry that he got run over though. <laughs> I didn't see that coming and there was absolutely no need for it. Like he didn't add... Because it's such a quick moment, isn't it? It's just, he just gets killed off right at the end for, for no reason. He just gets run over. That was quite sad, uh, wasn't it? It was yeah. sad, yeah. I was like, oh no, <laughs> Paul Barnum. Um, oh, actually, I did write his name. Yeah, Paul, Paul Barnum ran over. It's a shame. Oh. But yeah, it's a good performance from him. I thought he didn't, as I said, that would, if there was going to be someone in it that you think, oh, they've let the side down, he's gone over the top with the childish acting. He, he wasn't. He, again, very understated, wasn't it? He? he just sort of acts quite sort of, like a scared child, really. He doesn't trust anyone, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I did think, um, I did think Benton was a bit of a, because Joe says, oh, Benton, look after him in the office and Benton's just snaps at him. Well, <laughs> stop playing around, you know, he's not very understanding, is he? <laughs> I think Benton deserved that bang on the head. He did, yeah. Old Benton. <laughs> yeah, Neil McCarthy, um, he's, he had a, a huge career, but he went on to play Thorn in uh, The Power of Kroll. Oh, right. Okay. I, I do. He does on. look like one of those actors that I've seen in other things. Yeah, I thought that. Let's see if he's got the. Zed if he's cars. part of the club, though. Let's have a look. Yep, Zed Cars. And he was oh, also no, in Dixner. Really? Green as well. So oh, he's, he's double whammy. Double whammy. Yeah. Brilliant. There we go. Oh, okay. uh, right. Any other actors to pick out, uh, Dr. Summers, we've done? The other ones were like just sort of general prison people. Had a few lines here and there. Uh, what about Chin Lee? The, the other um, people. Uh, pick Sen. Lim. Pixon Lim. Yeah. Oh, Chin Lee, yeah. So he was the replacement. Uh, no, no, she, the... the um, oh, sorry, no, yeah. Um, sorry, Fu Peng was the replacement guy. He's the one that talks with the doctor. Um, and then, yeah, um, Pixon Lim, who's oh, Chin Lee. Was she in a Bond film or something? I've definitely... She's another actress that I thought straight away, I'm sure I've seen her in other things. <laughs> Is she in Bond? Am I wrong? Uh, oh, no, maybe I'm wrong done quite a bit of tv i don't know i just thought she looked familiar but i i thought she was a good you know gave a nice performance um because again that's she has to play the sort of taken over by evil thing so she's got that thing behind her ear so she's being controlled and that again is something that's very easy to do over the top i mm-hmm. am hypnotized you know what i mean she doesn't she again she plays it very understated and i thought it was a really nice performance from her i liked her yeah now she's still with us as well she's um She's yes, seventy six, yes. and uh, she's done a lot of, a lot of UK television. 
uh, over the years. Um, after Doctor Who, she went on to do uh, The Avengers, um, The Professionals, uh, Cracker. Shoestring. Do you remember Shoestring? Shoestring, yeah. And then she went on to do a lot of sort of sitcom soapy stuff. So London's Burning, the, the Bill, Casualty, Holby City. The yeah. Bill, that's the equivalent of the modern Zedcars, Zedcars really, isn't it? Yeah. You've either been in Zedcars or The Bill. <laughs> exactly that, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, no, she's that, uh, still rocking and rolling. That's cool. I don't, I've, I haven't written it down amazingly, but talking about her has reminded me of The Dragon, um, which thankfully <laughs> even, <laughs> isn't on screen for very long. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. That is bad. I think that's another thing that Barry Letts was a bit um, unhappy with. Uh, I, I did pull, I freeze framed it to have a look at, a better look at it because they try and keep <laughs> it off camera as as much as possible, don't they? Yeah, bless them. It's terrible. But, <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, they do, I think they do the best they can with it, you know, in terms of the editing and, and trying not to show it too much. And, you know, it's it's not scary, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, the production crew called it called it Puff the Magic Dragon after the cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely doesn't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a cool part of the story, don't get me wrong. Mm. Uh, it's a cool part because the, uh, the the machine is sort of, you know, manifesting itself like people's hallucinations. So yeah. it's a cool like little bit sort of progresses that part of the story. But yeah, well... If it had been on screen for longer, or the main monster, it would have been disastrous. It I would think. have been. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, very quickly, music, dude. Dudley Simpson. <laughs> Quite an iconic theme. I've heard this Love one. Love the master theme. Yeah. yeah, lots and lots from that stemmed off from this one. It's uh, So not tons of music, but when the theme did kick in, it was very cool. Actually, I thought, yeah, I'm glad there isn't more music in it, because sometimes the Pertwee era the music's a bit experimental and it can be a bit distracting at mm. times. And I think in this, there isn't, you're right. There is, isn't a great deal of music. The master seems iconic. It's just, I love it. Uh, every time he appears, it's just that do, 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 you know, brilliant. Um, but yeah, thankfully they don't go overboard with the music in this one. I think it's just enough. Some of the unit themes are a bit, do, 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 you know, they're a bit <laughs> jolly. Sort of, oh, the unit here, they're having a fight. Let's get that unit scene. But um, yeah, mostly it's um, done pretty well, I think, the music mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, no, Old I agree. Dudley. Old Dudders, yeah. Um, yeah. And I've got nothing on my notes, mate, but I just wanted to finish up very quickly with, I know we've already spoken about it, so just five seconds. I thought Pertwee was brilliant in this. Like, yes. Very on, just on fire, basically. Very stern with people, very not putting up with any nonsense. And we also got to see a bit of the old karate as well, the little bit of the old... Yeah. Um, you know, hey! A couple of times. and <laughs> He does it on Yates, doesn't he? Yeah. And Yates is like, now, come on, Doctor, you're coming with me. And he gives Yates a bit of the old uh, Venusian karate, <laughs> Venusian, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so I thought it was awesome. Have you got anything else on your notes, buddy? Uh, no, I, I, I will agree with you about Pertwee. Um, lovely performance from him in it. Um, I've just the only other thing I've got that I didn't mention. It's a really just a nice moment was when um, <laughs> again I just loved scenes like this. So there's that bit where the master comes in to have a go at the Doctor and Joe, and they're playing drafts, and they're like, "Sorry, just a minute, we'll just." And then he finishes his go, and the master tries to speak, and Joe's like, <laughs> "Wait a minute, I just got to do my move." I thought scenes like that are just so much fun and they just really really brought the story up so um that was just a fun scene the three yeah, of them yeah. together i mean 
Delgado, Katie Manning, and Pertwee. Oh, just those sort of scenes, just magic. They're so good together, those three. Yeah, it's good stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's very good stuff. Yeah. Yoth. But no, I haven't got anything else. Okay, dude. So scores time then. I think it's me to go first. It's you this week. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to give this uh, a, a decent 7.5. Wow. We're on the same page, dude. Oh, again. Okay. Yeah, I was nearly an eight because I thought it was very good. I think if it had just had a slightly better resolution, it would have been an eight. But it's, um, yeah, it's a, definitely a fun watch. I really enjoyed it. So 7.5. Yeah. yeah, exactly that for me as well, mate. I thought if the ending had a, because it was a good build up, but I thought Brilliant. if the ending yeah. sort of delivered on that, then this would have been an eight or an 8.5. But uh, other than that, it's a solid story, really much better than what, I remember it being certainly much better yeah. than I thought. Yeah. yeah I haven't yeah. seen it in a year or so, but yeah, it's a, it's a very good watch. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I obviously yeah. didn't watch it properly when I last watched it. Cause I fe- felt there were bits in this that I'd never seen before, you know, and I, I, I reckon the last time I put this on, I must've been on my phone halfway through it. Cause I genuinely thought it was um, so much better than I was expecting. Yeah. No, I agree, yeah. mate. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, so 7.5 from him, 7.5 from me. What did our awesome listeners think? We had a few audio clips in as always. Oh, cool. Let's kick off with our regular reviewer from Dan Under. It's Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So January 2nd, 2021, the day Revolution of the Darks comes out in Australia, is the 50th anniversary of the immortal words, I am the master and you will obey me. Congratulations, The Master, on 50 years of chaos. The mind of evil is good. The creature in the killing machine reminds me of a Dalek mutant minus the tentacles. Ruffles looks great in his velvet jacket and purple lined cape out on top of white frilly shirt. I think this might be the jacket Mark Gatiss now owns and featured in Twice Upon a Time in 12th Regeneration speech. Nice to see the Brigadier, Yates and Benton in the same story. Always a joy. Joe is great as always. Roger Delgado is magnificent, one of my favourite masters. I give it eight mind-controlled creatures out of ten. Would have been a ten if Bessie had been in it more. See ya. No Bessie. Oh, yeah. Poor, I, did, I spotted Bessie, but it doesn't get used much. No. The Doctor <laughs> drives in to the prison. That's it, isn't it? And that's it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you very much, Sammy. Yeah, and 50 years of the master. That's pretty sweet. That is cool. Yes, yeah. and that is a good line as well. I am the master, and you will. That is very cool. It's iconic, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Nice one, Sammy. Thank you very much. And an eight from Sammy. Right, let's move on. This is Joe Turner. The Mind of Evil, for me, is the best story in Series 8. The machine itself is really interesting. I love how it projects people's greatest fears, dying of any injuries they would have sustained if it was real. The black and white filter put over the screen is also great. There are some lovely moments of humour between the Brig and Cheshire Cat, Yates, and when Benton gets a little above his station when put in command of the prison. The action sequences are brilliant and also brutal, especially when Unit raid the prison and there are bodies all around. Also, the sequence with the convoy is great, with lots of explosions, crashing cars and motorbikes. I found the side characters in this amazing, in particular Barnum. We really form a good bond with him as the viewer due to his innocence and childlike demeanour. Thus, when he's killed, I felt really sad, but it gave the episode the emotion it needed. The machine itself is cheap and looks a little useless. Also, the sound it makes sounds a little like a didgeridoo, but overall, the concept makes up for it. Finally, the ending was brilliant. Pertwee and Delgado sell the scene, with Delgado so sinister in his speech about getting his revenge on Earth, and it leaves us, a viewer, eagerly awaiting what the master will do next. Overall, I guess a 9 out of 10. 
also, have a great Christmas, Gary and Adam. I hope you take this time to relax, and I would like to thank you how much better you've made 2020 and bring on the new year. Thanks again. Oh, oh thank nice you, Joe. one. Cheers, Joe. Yeah, yeah thank yeah, you very much. Cheers, buddy. Uh, yeah, so a glowing review there from Joe. He says it's the best, his favourite story from Series 8, which is cool. Mm. And, it definitely uh, leaves you wanting more. Like I said, I know we criticised the ending, but it's um, it did make me want to <laughs> watch the next one. So maybe it's supposed to do that, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, a decent review. And I'm glad you liked the ending, Joe, as much as we couldn't really uh, get into it. But I think, yeah, out of ed- anything you can take from that ending, it's probably the, the little phone call from the master. Oh, I love the doctor that makes it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Joe, for that. Uh, moving yeah. on, this is Seb Lane. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you've been well. Um, sorry that I've not been submitting audio reviews recently. I've been not very well, but I'm okay now. And I'm really excited to review The Mind of Evil. I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched this story this week, um, and I haven't watched it in a few few years. However, I do believe that this story is a brilliant example of what a Pertwee story should be. Season 8 is just a brilliant season in my opinion, and Delgado is by far the standout of the story for me. He is by far my favourite master, and it will take someone um, quite a lot to convince me otherwise, um, because no one can be like Delgado. But Pertwee is brilliant in this. Joe Grant is just top notch. And it's just a really solid story. It's not it's not a classic by any means, but it's a story that I can really enjoy and probably one that I need to get around to watching. So yeah. <laughs> Thanks guys. No worries, Lane. Thank you very much, Birdie. And uh yeah, um sorry to hear that you've been unwell recently, dude, but glad you're on the on the mend. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know Seb's taken a turn for the worst I saw on Twitter. Uh, just today that he's actually in oh. hospital but he's doing all right and um yeah we wish you well uh, yeah. so yeah take care buddy yeah definitely and uh, uh considering that you didn't have to to take the time to do that mate so we really appreciate you uh <laughs> to doing uh, doing that so as adam said yeah we wish you all the best uh, and a speedy recovery buddy uh moving on this is mr martin arnold the master's back and he's got a mind of evil to build a mind of evil in a prison where he wires up prisoners um makes them see the Daleks and pull funny John Pertwee faces. This is a great episode. The actual device itself is actually quite creepy, and, and the Doctor, when he inevitably gets wired up, is generally quite vulnerable. And so it's it's a, it's unique, because normally you see him vulnerable to the usual suspects, like the Daleks or the Cybermen. But here's this, this, this new, unique threat to the story, um, and and it's you know it's getting it's getting the best of him, um, and eventually the machine goes out of control and. It's interesting. It's a it's a it's a nice kind of international as opposed to intergalactic sort of spy kind of motif going on with the tensions between the um, the different governments. The Chinese, uh, I think, the government. I can't remember what they were doing. I haven't watched this in a little while, but um, yeah, it's really it's really good, and it's got that classic sort of third Doctor action oriented feel. Joe is great. She's always great. Really resourceful. They make a great team. Um, fantastic stuff this gets a nine out of ten for me it's it's a really good episode so cheerio nice one yeah it's a good point about the machine actually it's um it's interesting when we get to see the the blob inside as well (laughs) yeah my wife hated that (laughs) yeah when uh when we got to that scene and we saw the actual brain thing and it's pulsating and stuff wife looks up and she's like oh it's disgusting so uh the uh visual effects dudes did their job perfectly then yeah <laughs> if someone said yeah it did look gross to be fair it was very cool um but yeah uh 
a nice one, Martin. Yeah, and a nine from from Martin. And I agree with you. It did some elements did have a bit of a sort of an old school espionage spy feel to it, which is very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah true. Thank you very much, Martin. And lastly, this is Neil Cam. Hi guys, I love The Mind of Evil. I think it's a very strong story. In fact, John Pertwee's era is my favourite era of Doctor Who. Regards the story itself, I think the exchanges between the Doctor and the Master are really well done. I think Roger Delgado is superb as the Master in this story. Um, I think that's personified by the fact that he has his own personal car, a personal chauffeur, and he's sitting in the back seat smoking cigars what a boss. I think the exchanges between the Brigadier and Major Cosworth are very entertaining as well, as is the impressive location work, um, especially when units storm the castle. I think the carefully intertwined plot threads work very well. You know, obviously with the Peace Conference, the Thunderbolt, the Keller Machine, it all works so well. And it leads to a very entertaining story. And Mailer and his henchmen are, are good bad guys. And on top of that, the cliffhanger with the brigadier saving the doctor is outstanding so i'm going to give it a strong eight out of ten an eight out of ten as well crikey nice one yeah i'm smiling just thinking about Degado. yeah <laughs> it's just it's just he is such a dude isn't he he is a boss as neil put it <laughs> a boss yeah 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 that's one of the coolest things about the master in this isn't it like we said earlier he's just not really bothered about being caught really he's like sat in a car right outside yeah. office yeah. <laughs> you know and he's just yeah smoking so, a cigar yeah, yeah. and uh i'm glad this is your favorite era as well neil it's um it's a really cool era of doctor who and the more we watch pertwee or rewatch, should i say and uh revisit his doctor it's such a great such a great time uh for who so uh yeah so another good review from neil thank you very much guys for all of your audio uh reviews we had a few over on the socials i'm going to rattle through some of those over on Twitter, our writer Jordan Shortman says a solid third Doctor story. Maybe not one of the best, but the performances make up for it. And as a result, it's an intriguing story. Uh, Pertwee, Katie Manning and the unit gang make an excellent team and the story is worth it alone just for Delgado lounging in the back of a car. <laughs> Indeedy. Uh, Rick Moran from the Dwas says, uh, I could have sworn you did this one already. Anyway, too much uh, in one tweet. So I've attached some images from my piece in the 2020 Celestial Torah Manual. Uh, as for the story, 7 out of 10. If you want to read uh, Rick's review, just head over to the Doctor Who Appreciation Society website. You'll be able to find a link to the Celestial Torah Annual. You'll be able to, to pick that up. And it's a, it's a few pages of review there. But thank you very much, Rick. Uh, Edward Gillooly says, this story has some good ideas, uh, people dying from their fears, and credit for featuring a Chinese actor as Chin Lee. But in the end, the story is a bit too long, so a 6.5. Mm, okay. Yes. And lastly, on Twitter, Chippy T says, not bad, but a bit long. The idea of facing your worst fears was somewhat rehashed much later in the God Complex. Uh, RTD would have script edited this to two or three episodes, uh, but good performances from the gang all round. A 6.5, please. And over on Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, one of the better Pertwees and certainly one of the best Delgado performances. The unit team get a lot to do and the alien parasites quite menacing, even though the repeated cliffhangers of it appearing wears a bit thin. Uh, nice use of subtitles for the speaking Chinese bit. The TARDIS telepathic circuit's obviously not working that day with all of Pertwee's <laughs> tinkering. Uh, it gives it eight useless Stangmore prison guards out of ten. Uh, Aaron Ball says I love this story Pertwee is great also the writer 
who wrote Inferno, had a great callback. Plus, Joe had a good role in this one. Always loved her. I'd give this a 9.5. Wow. And lastly, Charlie Turner says, every single meaning of the word masterful. I should also point out that before I rewatched Inferno for the third or fourth time now, I honestly lost track. uh, And this has taken the top spot for my favourite poetry story of all that he did in this era. Mind of Evil is a very strong second place to that, minus its repetitive cliffhangers for episodes one to five, but does give it a 10 out of 10. Wow, a 10. A 10, yeah, from Charlie. Very cool. Uh, So that's all of the reviews and um, uh, tweets and socials from you guys. Normally, I would say... Dude, what have we got next week? But as you know, we're off now for a couple of weeks, but we will return in the new year for... Revolution of the Daleks. Recipes of the Daleks. (laughs) I was thinking, make sure you say the right R word because there's so many similar... Yeah, definitely revolution, isn't it? Revolution Revolution, of the Daleks. Yes, yes. yes. What will that be like? Mm. Oh, it was good. When I typed this into the schedule, I put resolution of the Daleks. Well, yeah. And then I came was back to it and thought, one? oh, that's not right. I had to double check. So it's definitely revolution of the Daleks. So we'll be back in the new year uh, for the in that first week of January with our thoughts on that one. Hope it's a good one. And I think for the end of 2020, we're going to wrap there, dude. All righty. Thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for jumping on board the tardis and listening to our show if this is the first time you're here thank you very much for jumping on board uh, old timers old grizzled ancients that have been with us for a long time welcome back it's great to have all of you here listening to the show and episode 293 uh, let us know if you're going to be picking up any of the merch i haven't spoken to anyone that's picked up or going to pick up this master's box set so let us know if that's your bag and uh, obviously the horror fang rock lp is out in feb so uh, make sure you get that pre-ordered uh it's been awesome i'm not going to go through all the thank yous again adam and i have done all that but just oh, lastly like thank my agent my agent I'd like to thank god <laughs> um, yeah thank god yeah but just very quickly again thank you thank you so much to everybody that has stuck with us throughout the entire year and listened to the show and subscribed and, and all that stuff and uh, in some way i hope that we've managed to make your 2020 a little bit easier provided a little bit of escape and a bit of entertainment for you as we've gone through various lockdowns and all that stuff so it's been a bit of a crazy year but uh, it's been a great uh, journey of, of doctor who rewatches and everything for us uh, and you guys so thank you very much for that right Remember to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on. Just do a search for us or head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on there. Plus, you can find links to all of the social accounts. Give us a like and a follow over there. We chat plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week. And we also have a free Discord server. There's a link on the website. Come and sign up and join that. It's completely free. Come and hang out with other Doctor Who fans and chat plenty of Doctor Who. Um, Also just to finish off the year if you've got a minute to leave us a review or a rating whatever podcast app that you can do that on that would be awesome because that really helps a lot uh, helps us out a lot and thank you to some of the recent reviews that we've had as well on apple podcasts i believe uh, that's very very kind of you thank you so much 
Also, check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It's The Geek's Handbag. That's it, yes. Uh, there's lots of videos over there. Go and have a look at uh, some of those and more so on all the socials. I love the socials, especially Twitter yep. and Instagram. Yep, you won't shut him up once you've liked him over on the oh, socials. God, no. so. I did a drunken uh, live stream on Instagram the other night. It was chaos. There you go, exactly. Oh. There you so, go, what you're in for. <laughs> have, a, have a, a wonderful Christmas and a new year. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey. Hey.